Welcome to Living the Abundant Life. I'm Jenny Schmidt, and it's my pleasure to have my friend Rachel Brown with us. Rachel is a woman with a past like your worst nightmare, but she's living a present that's pretty darn amazing. She lived through losing two husbands tragically, but she took a chance on marriage again and married her husband, Rod, who's a strategic consultant with North Point Community Church. She's a mom to two amazing kids, Davis and Campbell, and she's also a speaker for Folds of Honor and travels the nation uh, speaking at their events. And she has her own ministry called Be Still. It's in states from coast to coast, and it's a place for women to gather each month and share real life stories of transformation and, and hear and experience the power and grace of Jesus Christ. But I asked Rachel to join us today because not only have I been impacted by her story and her ministry, but she's a friend who I know behind the scenes in everyday life is the real deal. She's living in abundance in the wake of unimaginable loss. She's living a life of overflowing joy, inspiring people all over the nation. But she's lived the reality of grief that most of us have never known. She's not just surviving pain, she's thriving today because of who Christ is in her and what he's done for her and her family. So I'm so excited for her to share with us what she's experienced and and how, how she walked from loss into an abundant lifestyle. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Hi, so fun. So glad to be with you, Jenny. Awesome. It's so, it's so fun to, you know, we've met each other years ago and now to be doing an episode together, it's just, it's just really fun. Um, as we get started, would you just tell us a little bit more about your story? Yeah, sure. So I, um, am from a small town in Alabama. I'm sure none of your listeners can hear my accent. <laughs> says now, where are you from? Um, but um, had a, just a super idyllic childhood. My parents were both teachers, and I was actually just talking about this today because um, I was trying to, you know, kind of think about my story in light of the gospel, in light of abundance, what you love to teach on and um, talk about. And I think I grew up in a pretty um, you know, we were all believers. I mean, I met Jesus when I was 10, my parents, um, you know, we were in church every time the door was open, but you know, the goal of what I heard growing up was, um, you know, do more. And, um, and it wasn't about being, um, and receiving love. Although I felt loved by my family and I felt loved by Jesus. It just, like I always, there's just an overtone of, um, religion and denominational, like we've got this right. I don't know. It was just, it was real interesting. I was actually just thinking about that today, but I just, you know, so my childhood was very steeped in God's word and, um, you know, just growing up in Christian camp and every time the doors open and, you know, all the things, you know, rededicated my life 20 times, like (laughs) (laughs) me too, girl. (laughs) The rest of us out there and um, met my college sweetheart, lived um, this just dream college life, dating him. He was president of his fraternity. And I mean, he was just, just a total stud. I mean, I just adored <laughs> God. And um, he um, and I got married the weekend after I graduated. It was a beautiful time of my life. I was 21, which in today's terms is like married, getting married pretty much. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> you know, it, today it's unheard of for somebody to get married at 21. But then, I mean, I couldn't wait. I mean, yeah. when we moved to Tuscaloosa, I went to graduate school in Alabama, moved back 
to Florence, Alabama, and um, three and a half years into marriage, Todd went after church just to a game of pickup basketball. I went to a wedding shower, and I got home. Um, this is really before, I mean, I had 100 minutes on my cell phone at this point, so it was like way before phones were like really a big thing. And, um, he, what I thought my friend said is, I think he broke his leg and I was like, I'll be right there. And when I got there, he had had an aneurysm and he was laying lifeless on the concrete. And our doctor friend was doing CPR. And I, you know, at 23, he was 27. You just, I mean, you, you truly can't imagine it anytime probably, but for those of your listeners who've experienced loss, like it just was so, um, like it felt like someone else's life that I walked up on and it was mine. And, um, you know, it was that out of body experience that you hear about, even though, you know, I wasn't floating over my body at the ER or anything, but I definitely was like, this, this isn't happened. This doesn't happen to people like us. Like we've just never experienced tragedy like this in any of our families. And so it was just, it was, uh, it was just awful. And, um, so there I was, you know, he had, you know, had a fatal aneurysm, his spinal cord, when he fell in the concrete was severed and his heart stopped immediately. No opportunity to even, you know, save him really in that moment. And I was a widow at 23 and, um, it was so hard. I mean, I think the, the main thing that got me through even that dark time is worship, which is why worship is still just such a huge part of my life. And, um, music just moves me. I think it moves people. It, it, you know, I always say the Holy spirit works when we cry and it would just, it would just bring out what Holy spirit was wanting to do in my grief journey. Although I wasn't, you know, in counseling, I was fine. You know, this is part of my story too. It's just, I was, I was so fine. Like if you looked at me, I mean, I think I took a, (laughs) so funny. I think I took an antidepressant. I took Prozac weekly for one week, which (laughs) for anybody who's been on an antidepressant, you know, like that ain't going to help you, you know, but I was like, I don't need, you know, I was getting up. I, I went back to work two weeks after he died. And, um, you know, in, in air quotes, I was fine. And so people, but people really didn't know exactly what was going on. And I did not grieve well, but you would have thought I had, you know, and, um, thus begins, um, the unfolding of my life, which is a life of hiding and a life of, um, you know, deceit with myself, um, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure no one listening can relate to that. <laughs> oh what do you, tell, tell us what you mean by that deceit with yourself. You know, I think I would just, um, I had consistently told myself my whole life, um, that I was fine even when I wasn't. And I, you know, we've talked about this earlier, but I grew up with, you know, de- parent grandparents who went through the depression, the depression and the parents who went, who were World War II babies who had parents who went through the depression. And so there just wasn't a lot of margin. Um, my mom was one of five, like my grandmother was doing everything she could to get food on the table, you know, like there yeah. just wasn't a lot of emotional, healthy talk in a home in the fifties. And if there was, they were definitely the exception and not the rule. And so I think, you know, I, um, 
no fault of anyone's. I just grew up in a really gritty environment and my parents, you know, my mom worked. So I think that made, um, for a little bit different, um, home life as well. She was a teacher. So she was home with, I never noticed that she worked because she was always with me. She was at school with me and then she brought me home and, but it still, it just created a different environment. So I was just gritty. So I I lived in a little bit of denial of the things that I think I probably did need, Mm. um, which began, you know, and, and I always say what's, stays in the dark, it's darker, but what comes to light finds freedom and healing. And so, you know, for me, that didn't come to light for many, many years. And I think that's most, I would say most women, most men too. I see this daily in, you know, even women's ministry, but let's be honest, I'm in family ministry because these women are married. A lot of them, a lot of them have children. And I always say if, if mom, you know, for the married listeners out there, if mom gets healed, I think everyone in the family has the potential for healing. I mean, there is just like the mom is so the heart of the home that just that tenderness that the way that Lord created us, like it just can start a wildfire in a family. And sometimes that can be hard. Um, so all that to say, I became, um, you know, even more gritty after losing a husband, I remarried, um, a year and a half after Todd died to, um, a family friend of Todd's family, Blair Faulkner was, his parents were best friends with Todd's parents. I mean, it was just, it was meant to be, it was unbelievable. I could, I could only dream that this would have worked out. And, you know, I'll never forget telling Blair two weeks after we had our first date, I was like, I just love you. I, I can't hold it in. I can't, I just <laughs> love to love and, um, and fortunately he felt the same way. So it was just, again, fast, beautiful, um, love story. And we got married, moved to New Orleans, Louisiana. He was a fighter pilot in the air force and flew the A-10 and I was selling drugs and as a drug rep and, um, you know, I always say he dropped bombs and I sold drugs. So it was just like <laughs> hilarious. Power couple. <laughs> yeah. Right. Lots of power power. And, um, so life was beautiful. We had two babies. Davis was born in 2005 and Campbell came along in 2007. And in April of 2008, Blair went to fly. He was flying three times, a beautiful day in April. Um, just, I mean, I can remember the sky. It was like ice cold, you know, ice blue, like you'd have after a cold front came through and, it was always bumpy on, um, on, you know, anytime you see a blue sky, it's always bumpy, um, Mm. for pilots. And I remember Blair saying that, and I remember thinking that day, Oh, it'll be a bumpy ride for him today. You know, as I looked up at the sky, the swimming lessons and I get back in the car from swimming lessons on this particular day and the um, phone rang and it was the chaplain from the base. And he basically, he said, he was talking to me and I was chitty chatty and trying to have a conversation, but I could tell he was kind of, he was all business. And he, he said five words. He said, we are looking for you. And, um, you know, I just knew Jenny after that, like I, I was like, Oh my gosh, lightning has struck my life twice. And we, I mean, we had joked about this. It was like, I mean, jokes, not really, but, but kind of like, Oh, we would, you would never die in the jet. Like you're, you've got the God pass. Like, you know, I mean, said those things seriously, like I've lost a husband. This God would never allow that. I mean, you know, and the reality is, is that 
although these things happen and I've since, you know, come to realize this, like we live in a broken, broken world and um, anything that I ascribe to who God is other than his goodness takes me to the gutter. And I would say it would take every one of us to the gutter, you know, trying to explain sovereignty and why this happened to me. And I just say, none of that really helps, you know? So that is a, a topic that I have really consciously tried to avoid and focus on God's goodness because anything other than his goodness will take you out. It will take yeah. you out. Yeah. And um, it is why I think so many live in a very not abundant life is because they think God is not good. Yeah. It, it is, it's a core belief issue. I mean, I don't know how you even breathe after that kind of loss, Rachel, let alone just not limp through the rest of your life. I mean, that, that is, um, that is astoundingly painful. And I think most of us would try to explain this, you know, I, I would call it gap, you know, gap theories, making up some sort of theory to fill a gap where the theology doesn't, it doesn't quite explain why, you know, why something's happened, especially this kind of tragedy back to back two husbands. I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't explain that there is, there's not an answer to why. Um, and I think that the lack of answer or a, a messed up, the, a theologically unsound, you know, theory that we put in there, um, it does lead us into dark, low places, and it does just mess up our whole view of the Lord, um, because He is good. It's His nature, and His nature can't change. But what does that mean in this circumstance? I mean, what you endured is, it's just unimaginable. And I guess I just wonder, how did you not just limp through every day since that call? Yeah. Well, I think it's a couple of things. So I was, you know, I was a Jesus girl. I mean, I had done, um, you know, at this point, I'm 30 years old and, you know, very active part of my church, got two babies who I'm like, you know, nothing makes you realize how much you don't know about the Bible, <laughs> like having children. Like, oh no, oh no, I got I to get this short up, you know, I got to figure right? it out. And, uh, and that's where I lived, Jenny. I lived in, let me figure this thing out. And the reality yeah. is, is that it has been figured out. And he did it on the cross and it was finished that day. And the rest of our days, we will live receiving what he did. But if you don't know that it's all been done and you think like by you doing something else, you're going to make it more done. Uh, well, you're going to try and figure it out the rest of your life. And yeah. that is 1000% what I went on a mission to do. I was leading a Bible study a month after Blair died because I was like, we're going to figure this out together, girls. And although there's nothing inherently wrong with that, I was doing it from a place of running from myself because I'm still at this point living that underbelly subconscious life of deceit because I had not addressed my own demons. And, um, I had, I'd never been to a counselor at this point. Um, I mean, it, the sad thing is I didn't go to a counselor for four more years, even after this point, but I will say I knew that I knew that I knew the day that Blair died, my brain, it was like, I was like, you know, it, 
if you could have seen the electrodes firing in my brain, it would have been like, let me rewire it for glory, for his glory. Because I knew this doesn't happen unless you trust me. I did know that. Mm. I did know that. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I also knew enough to know the scripture that said First Thessalonians. It was like, we are called to grieve as those who have hope, not who don't have hope. Like we have hope and we're going to grieve like those people. And so I knew enough that I was like, all right. Now I did it from a complete place of striving. So <laughs> there was no freedom in my grieving, in my, you know, any of that. I did it all from a place of striving, but I still, but it was still the singular focus of my life. Yeah. You always had known and loved Jesus, but you, you oh, yeah. kept talking about that do that, um, you know, having to work it out and figure it out and be fine and, and do the right Christian things. You knew what that should look like. Oh, yeah. um, but so, so when did that change for you? When, when did it, cause I love how you talked about receiving. That's a big shift from doing to receiving. When did that shift happen for you? Yeah. So I went to counseling, um, well, the funny thing was I didn't go to counseling. I would, I would probably still, I mean, I'm 42 years old and I probably still have never gone to counseling because, you know, that's just the, the breeding, you know, of, of gritty people, you know, like you're just like perseverance is like my middle name. And I always say you can have perseverance from a place of freedom and you can have perseverance from a place of bondage. There are two very different places of perseverance. And I was definitely in the bondage camp. But you would have looked at me and thought I was totally not there, you know, because I had a secret, I had this secret modality operating in my brain that you would have never known about. Even my parents didn't know about, you know. So it's like there was just always this underbelly of deceit with myself and um, you know, just not being able to be fully honest. I mean, I buried two husbands without being fully honest with them about, about even my past, about, um, the things that I had experienced as a young child that set me on a path of, um, shame, hiding, um, you know, all those things. I couldn't even have been honest with them. So I think at this point in my life, I'm about 36 years old. Well, let's see. No, I was probably 34. So 34 years old, I'm in a Kroger with one of my dear friends, her husband had spoken at Blair's funeral. And this woman, I mean, this is the craziest story, but this woman had followed me around the grocery store in one of those like wheelchair cart things, you know, like the motorized scooter. And she found me at the popcorn. I was at buying microwave popcorn, which I I now know is terrible for you. But at this point in my life, I didn't know that yet. You know, we're just all on a journey. Well, she's like screaming at me in the Kroger that I am, I'm going to get cancer if I buy that microwave popcorn. Oh my gosh. And I like, it was like, it was all it took for the dam to broke. And I went off on this poor, pitiful woman in a motorized scooter in the middle of Kroger. I started screaming (laughs) at her to shut up, leave me alone. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, acting like a lunatic. And my friend Rebecca, she's like, you know, I think it might be time for you to see a counselor. I was like, what? No, I'm fine. She's like, this is not a normal reaction to this. 
So, I mean, I didn't go to counseling because I wanted to. I went to counseling because I was like, you're a mess. You're a total train wreck. And I ended up in counseling. And Lisa said to me, my counselor, she said, Rachel, when I sat down the first day, she said, you are a human being and you have lived your whole life as a human doing. And I was like, what? I mean, because I knew I was a human being, but I'm like, what? A human doing, and I mean, and yeah, that's. And I was like, "Oh my God, you're so right." I mean, you're so right. And it took me, took me a minute. And she also said, "Rachel, you have been living your life for the last eleven years. Eleven years after burying my husband, before I went to counseling, you've lived you lived your life on the other side of a dam, and there are holes in the dam, and you've been sticking your fingers in all the holes, and you're very capable." of getting all the holes. It's like whack-a-mole. And she was like, you've just exceeded the holes. Wow. And you can't continue to do that anymore. And I was like, oh, I mean, it was almost like somebody just read my mail, you know, like the first time you get a prophetic word and you're like, what what in the world just happened? Like, how do you know? (laughs) You know, it feels so scary almost. You're like, you know things about me. And it was like Lisa knew I mean, she'd seen a hundred of me's, you know, it wasn't like anything that she didn't know. And that just began, as I would call it, and Stephanie Gretzinger wrote a whole album on it, The Undoing. It was my undoing at that point of learning to receive, receive even from Lisa, um, receive from my children to be able to give comfort. That was the one thing that Lisa really helped me because I couldn't comfort my kids. That was that was the other behind the scenes too, is my kids were having so many grief episodes. And I was just like, I mean, just, can y'all please just suck it up like me? Uh, I mean, a a four-year-old cannot do that. And I did not, I mean, they were messing me up, you know, like y'all just need to like learn a scripture and be okay. And you just, it's okay to not be okay, but it wasn't in my head. It wasn't okay. Because, you know, no one in my family really ever had a breakdown or needed what quote unquote, you know, needed counseling. I mean, we were just strong. So I, you know, I kind of, um, that's, that's really how it all began. There's nothing like, you know, um, there's, there's no motivation. I feel like quite like motherhood and seeing, seeing a need in your kids and like, okay, I don't, I actually don't know how to meet this. And I need, I need some supernatural direction on how to be and, and lead my kids through something that, you know, it's like you get a guidebook for grief of like, how do, how do we walk through this? Um, especially for, you know, what you've gone through and you didn't have an example, you know, in your yeah. childhood for that. So, so tell us, you started seeing Lisa and she really, you know, start talking about being and receiving. I mean, I think that's a huge concept and I don't know if it's just the South or our Western culture, but I think that we all really can relate to that. And, you know, we put on, a, we put on what we want people to see we put on our mask, we go out and do live. People see what we want them to see. Um, but there's this, this striving, this earning, this, this, um, working out that we, we, we spend so much energy on and receiving feels weak. And yet if we can't receive from others, if we can't receive from the Lord, then how in the world do we expect to walk in abundance? I mean, you have to have open hands. You have to be able to have a posture of receiving in order to enjoy what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, 
you know, I always say, I think every Southern woman, especially if the first time they take the Enneagram test, they're all a two because (laughs) (laughs) that's great. Another way of life, you know, it's just the way we think that we were wired and we all were not wired that way. It's just the cultural norm that we've kind of grown up in is like serve to receive serve to receive your identity as a servant, you know, and not a saint. I mean, this is, I mean, this is part of the undoing for me is just even being able to call myself his favorite daughter, a saint. I mean, I would have told you my whole life. I grew up, I'm a sinner saved by grace. So proud of that. And that is true, but I have moved on. I mean, once I received what he did for me on the cross, I now am in Christ and a new creation. And that comes with daughterhood, sainthood. I mean, you know, all that all the multiple benefits. I didn't even know that was a thing because I kept calling myself a sinner. And I always say, if I call Davis, Hey, little sinner, come here and sit in my lap his whole life. Well, he would be really focused on his sin. I think that's the other thing too. That's like good. we're so psycho focused on our sin. We can't even live an abundant life. Come on, <laughs> preach. <laughs> this is a worry about like the things that we forgot before we take communion. I'm like, Oh, for the love we can we please just not soul scrape for a half a second and just receive, you know? And I, and that has been, um, yeah, I'm sure some people are listening like, Oh my word, what are you talking about? But at the same time, I think once I focus, you know, where you focus is how you will live. And if you focus on being a daughter, And if you focus on being in Christ and you focus on God's goodness, that is what is going to be manifested in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, um, like that was, I mean, receiving love. I mean, that is like, that's the mission of my life every day. I mean, we talk about this, you know, my Karen and I, my, the lady that works with me with Be Still. And I just, I mean, every single day is an opportunity to receive and acknowledge how loved we are. Mm. You know, I think so many people would say that the mission of my life is to give love, which which is good. I think there's the cycle to giving and receiving though. And you can't do one without the other. Um, You know, when you receive the Lord always gives abundantly, which means there's an overflow, which means there's something to give away. And when, but you can't give what you haven't received. So there has to be a cycle, but we so focus on the more righteous thing to do is to give, 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 but we're giving from, from, from meagerness because we haven't stopped open our hands and our hearts to receive. I think this is, I think this is life-changing stuff you're talking about, Rachel. Well, and I think too, you know, the, the verse, I think it's in Proverbs, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. And that word is your And that word means like wonder, appreciation, awe. It's not like I'm afraid of you, but like so many of us grew up afraid of who God is because we're like, oh, he's going to club me when I, you know, drank too much when I was in high school or when I slept with my boyfriend or, you know, whatever the things were that you still are hanging on to shame and that you don't realize have been actually nailed to the cross and he's not even looking at those things anymore. You know, I think that's the thing is when you get to experience that wonder and that awe and that 
you know, that's when the receiving comes in. That's when like Holy Spirit can download all this wisdom and knowledge to you because you're, you're in a receiving posture because you're so in awe of what he's done. Come on. That's so good. That's, I mean, that is a scripture I memorized as a kid, but never was it positioned that way. No, no. I mean, it is, it is truly, I mean, wonders where it's at. I'm telling you. Mm. It is. And to be able to see wonder in the work of God when yeah. you've seen such loss. I, I mean, yeah. Rachel, that's incredible. How? I know, I know. Well, I do, you know, Jenny, I think we're all set apart from the time that we were born for like a really specific mission on the earth, you know? Like yeah. I think he's called us to something really specific. And I really think. Although I am so gritty and I've got all this, you know, emotional bankruptcy, you know, going on that I had an unhealthiness for so long, I do think there's part of me that he wired and he knew would be wired to look for wonder mm-hmm. and to notice and to be like, I always say, like, I don't think deeply about things because it's just, I just have this supernatural faith. Like, I think I have the gift of faith and I think he's yeah. given all gifts in greater measures, some greater measures than others. I mean, I, I think mine is definitely faith. Like if you need some borrow mine, you know, <laughs> and I think that's just, you know, that's just what he does for the body because it's like, I'm, I'm going like, to give that to the, whoever's listening today. Um, like what I've got, what I've got, they get, that's what you, what you have. I get, that's the kingdom, you know, and so part of a family, a a body. Yeah. That's just, that's just how the arteries and the veins are supposed to work. And so for me, I'm pumping faith into the body, but I think I was wired for that since I was born because he knew he created my brain to sustain great pain Mm. and loss and not, um, be broken in it, but to be above it, you know, I just, I live and, and it's funny, I'm even back in counseling now because I'm just wanting to experience human emotion. I know this is going to sound weird, but because I, because we're supernatural beings, we're spirit beings first, you know, that's how we were created. It's hard for me to embrace my humanness. I know that sounds probably a little bizarre. And my counselor described it. She said, Rachel, she was like, you know, some of us are meant to fly but our feet are in mud on this earth some days. And that's how I feel when I'm kind of not, um, when I kind of come down, you know, even into the, the deeper emotional work, you know, that, that is required as a human, like it's, it's a part of our humanness. And so I want to embrace that humanness and not just live up here in the spiritual realms. Jenny, you know, that's easy to do for people like us. Like we just, I just want to study God's word and talk to God. And, but I'm like got kids and food, everybody needs to eat. And, you know, I mean, reality is, yeah. Yeah. They're dealing with things that like the spiritual, as much as it can fix, I still have to, I have to comfort and have that human piece of me. Like I need to feel deeper empathy for my children. And so that's what I'm working on. Right. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's a process. We're on a journey is the destination. And, um, that's, you know, that's where I am. And God's been doing it. It's funny. I'll, can, do I have time to t- tell you a quick story about what he's done? Absolutely. <laughs> so 
the cool thing is, so I'm, you know, going to counseling, I've been like three sessions. Yeah. I've been in counseling for years, but I've just re-upped it, you know? And so I went to three sessions and a friend invited me to go down to house fires and hear, um, Chris McClarney and their group and the girl from Upper Room who sings Find awesome. My Battles. I just love worship. You know, I was yes. like, oh, I'm so in. I've never seen House Fires. I want to go experience it. Well, they start singing Good, Good Father. And I'm like, oh, for the love. I've heard this a thousand times. Like, really? Like, you know, sing something new. You know, I'm like all about the new songs and love me some worship. And so, but they played Good, Good Father. And it was all of a sudden, literally, my spirit dropped in to the pain that my children feel singing that song Mm. because they have a good, good father here. They have a good, good father in heaven. And then they have their biological father who they adore, but they don't know. And the pain, and then I could feel the pain in the room of people in the room who didn't have a good father and were singing the song and yet they didn't know it and so conflicted. And I could feel it, Jenny. It was crazy. I was, I mean, I'm weeping like a, somebody has just, oh my gosh, like cut my leg off. I mean, it was unbelievable, the weeping. And then it says, you already know what I need before I say a word. And my daughter had, she had hurt herself at the pool. And before she could even yell my name, I heard her, but I heard her and I knew it was her and I knew she needed help. And he was like, Rachel, he was like, that's you. Like, I already know what you need and and you're here tonight because I know you're wanting to experience this. And, you know, I can live on experience like that for six months. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can go back to that. I can go back to that every day and just milk it like a goat. You know, I mean, I'm just going to be like, um, you said this today. And so it was just... I mean, it's just, that's just that humanness that I'm trying to embrace more of because I want to live in the spiritual realms. And that's awesome too. Yeah. But well, that, was, that was your heart's desire. I mean, you, you went back to counseling to say, I want to feel more. I want, I want that compassion and that empathy. Yeah. And the Lord took you to a worship experience and, and, and gave you that. And I, that's beautiful. I think, I think what I love what you're sharing is that you are continuing learning how to receive. And I mean, that's what you said. Your life goal is to receive love. And I, I am so inspired by that. I think that that just shift in positioning of those words to, to live a life to that, where I want to receive the love of God. I mean, that is a huge shift. And I think for me and all of our listeners, that could really um, start changing some things in our relationship with the Lord and our experience, our expectation of Him and our experience of lack or loss versus abundance as a lifestyle. Um, I think that's really huge. Tell, tell us a little bit more. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say the litmus test for anybody listening and this is kind of what was a little bit of the undoing for me of really, you know, having the life, a life of receiving was that even when someone would give me a compliment about something that God had put in me, creativity or just, you know, be still or, you know, my children and how they interact, whatever it was that somebody was giving me a compliment, I would like apologize for it. And I know, I mean, you know, Rachel Hollis wrote a book, Girl Stop Apologizing, but honestly, it's the yeah. truth. Yeah. I mean, there is like, if you apologize about things that he has done in you and you can't even, you know, receive even a compliment, like how you look today, if, if every day you're trying to deflect that, yeah. 
oh, that is like the ultimate litmus test that you don't know how to receive. And that was where I was. I still am many days. I mean, I'm, I'm, I need celebrate recovery for receiving. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, where's that class? Cause that's what I need to be in. Um, so well, it's kind of what you're teaching. I mean, like this is, you know, I love that you've taken your life and said, I'm going to create a ministry to do the thing that God is actively doing in my life. So, I mean, tell us about be still, because I feel like that is a lot of what you're leading women into is freedom, but freedom comes through receiving. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, we are, um, most definitely trying to create an experience of encounter because as your mentor has taught both of us encounter like <laughs> um and and it's just so true i mean that encounter experience um is what breaks down the walls of people's hearts, you know, so that they can, whether it's through worship, through somebody's story that they connect with through, you know, we've stepped out even with Be Still and started doing words of knowledge where we, you know, stand up in complete bravery. And I will say, I think everything has shifted with Be Still, even since we've been, you know, releasing those words. And even on the, you know, we just Facebook Live for the first time and this past week, which I'm not sure why we haven't been doing that before, but honestly, we're just holding on for dear life here. Cause it's just, you know, it is what it is. And, um, and that was one of the main comments that we got back on the live stream was, Oh my gosh, that, that woman in the blue shirt that stood up and talked about, you know, how she would dance before her dad. And he, he she was never good enough. That was me as a child. And I'm like, my gosh, even over the medium of, you know, a podcast or media or Facebook, like how we can use that for good. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. And so that girl, you know, that daughter of a King receiving through one woman's bravery who prayed that afternoon. I mean, that's just, that's it. I mean, to me, I'm like, this this is it right here. You know, if I never do anything else, this is great. Yeah. Um, because it's just all, you know, Andy always, Andy Stanley, um, my pastor always says, do for one, what you wish you could do for the whole world. And every time I hear a story like that, I'm like, she got, she got that for today, you know, and that encounter that she experienced, you can't unknow. I always say that to people. You can't unknow once you know you've had an encounter. Yeah. And I think you can spend a lot of years hearing about God and knowing about God and gaining a lot of head knowledge. But when you encounter him, when he meets you and, and, and you, and he, he speaks into the circumstances of your life in that moment and you feel his, his, his loving touch or, or, um, comforting embrace, you know, those, those, like you said, no one can steal from you and those transform us. It's, you know, we have to have both, right? We have to have good biblical knowledge and teaching. We have to experience his presence because his presence changes everything wherever Jesus is and any room Jesus is in, things are changing. Things are shifting because his presence just does that. He has that kind of power. And so when we can create environments where people have great teaching, access to great knowledge, good biblical sound teaching coupled with opportunities that, you know, I I like to tell my friends, I said, I, I feel like our our mission on this earth is just to position one another to receive from the Lord. If we can just help position people so it's easier for them to receive from the Lord, that's it. I mean, and then that's what you're doing with Be Still. You, yeah. Tell us about those nights because I think they're really unique. The way that you structure them, it's a lot of story, um, a lot of ministry. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that looks like? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a simple model. Anybody could do it in their home. It's just, you know, whether you feel called to, I mean, even if you did it once a year, like it still would be so amazing. But basically, it's worship. It's exactly how we started six years, you know, we started five years ago in Atlanta and then we started eight years ago in, in Huntsville is where it began, but it's never changed. We've always done two worship songs typically. And then we do two stories typically. And then we have a prayer team that prays for people. And really that's it. But it's funny, you know, most ministries start with a board and, you know, like a director. And I mean, I didn't have any of that till like a year ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> started with 20 women on a prayer team. And like, I, I think that is, you know, if some people are like, what's the secret sauce for be still, I'm like, well, it's a ministry founded on prayer. I mean, it, period, end of story. The only reason things change for people is because of a people praying for people who come, that's part of it. And then the other one is when, um, you know, ministry is available to women, like that just doesn't, you know, happen in most churches. I wouldn't say yours, but I would like that the timing and like your kids are hungry and just mama is just not going to be taking care of mama on Sunday morning. Typically, you know, it's just not a time where she's let down enough. Um, I always, I always tell people, and this is a little gross, but you have a lot of mom listeners, but I always tell people that be still is like spiritual nursing, you know, on some level, it's like the letdown happens and you just get to go to, you know, you're, you get to be rocked by Jesus, you know, at night. And there's something special about nighttime. People are just, their guard is a little less and, you know, give them a cup of coffee and a chocolate and all women are happy, you know, I mean, <laughs> I think it's real. I mean, you, you, you're having women tell stories and they're, yeah. they're, they're real and they're raw and they, um, yeah. yeah, I think you cover a lot of topics that you don't hear about in your average church small group. You know, you're dealing with no. eating disorders and, and sexual abuse and it's not all, you know, massive dramatic, you know, experiences, but, but you're dealing with stuff that like women are going through, people are going through, let's be real. Um, and I think that's really powerful. I think story, you were, we were talking before we started this episode about just the impact and power of storytelling. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, any sermon, any preaching, you know, I, there's so much that we just get filled up with, but the things that, you know, I would say have changed the trajectory of people's lives are an invitation I mean, hands down, getting someone in the right environment and then um, them connecting to a story. I mean, we just are wired, our brains are wired to remember stories. Yeah. Even the best sermons that you've probably heard, they were probably they probably started with a story that you remembered and it triggered something in your brain to remember it. So I just, and for me, and this is the biggest thing is I want be still to be so ecumenical. I want it to be a place where the body can come and we can all agree because you can't argue with my story and I can't argue with yours. It doesn't matter if you are believing that people do cartwheels and wave flags at their church. It doesn't matter. I can't argue with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so it just cuts denominational bondage. That's good. Um, 
because it's a story. And so I always say, be still, I want it to be the safest place you've ever been because it's a story. It's so not threatening. And it's not like you're going to walk away huffy because of some woman's story. It's not, she's, she's not saying it for you. You know, she's saying it because it happened to her and it was real. And you just can't argue with that. Whereas, you know, even theologically, I could, you know, argue somebody up one side and down the other that I didn't agree with, you know, because what I think is right. And that just doesn't happen at me still. And I love that. That's my favorite. Because, and the other thing is too, um, is you can invite a friend to a home so much easier than you can a church to me, you know, because they're going to research it and, you know, but be still is about stories. It's like, nobody's affiliated with a church. Nobody's affiliated. We're affiliated with Jesus, you know, I mean, and, and even, in that, even in the name, um, we just did be still in LA, which was so amazing. So amazing. But bless them. They thought they were coming to a yoga class because it was called Be Still. So they literally walked in with their yoga mats in their yoga pants to sit on the floor. And we literally released (laughs) the Holy Spirit. Come on. They didn't know what had hit them. It was Oh my God. It was so amazing. It was so amazing, but the name so, even, so low threat, you know what I mean? So yeah. I just love that. And I love, um, I'm such a story junkie. I say that even on my Instagram, like profile, I'm just like, I sit there like a little kid in a candy store, listening to people's stories. It's fascinating. It is yeah. fascinating what has happened to people and devastating, and hope-filled and you, you run the mo- emotions that be still, that's the thing you're laughing and then you're crying. And then you're like, you know, like, what did you just say? That totally freaked me out. And, but I'm okay. Cause it's her story. It's not my story. And it's, it's so fun. I just love it. And then we get to pray for them. So that's amazing. And you have had a lot of growth in the last year. I mean, you're in how many different States now do you have be still? Uh, so we are, um, be still is out in um, Colorado now and in Greenville, South Carolina. We've got, um, a girl who is wanting to start it in Baltimore, Maryland. It's pretty dry in, um, Baltimore. There's not a lot of women's ministries, really not a ton, a ton of thriving, growing churches there too. And so she wants to start be still there, which is super exciting exciting, potentially LA. I mean, that was just, that was an experience. I mean, they, even the people running it, they were like, well, everything will be different after June 16th, which is, we did, we did be still on father's day, which is just so ironic. Cause that's what, I mean, yeah. God, I mean that, that if any town in the world needed to be refathered, it's LA, you know, amazing. And so who knows? I mean, we are holding on, I'm telling you, and I hired a, um, Karen McAdams to be my director of equipping. So she's kind of handling resources and we're, we've written a Bible study called father's house and we're taping that in August and that'll be an eight week study. And we've got three of those Bible studies in the fall, which is just, I mean, I'm like, what have we done? This is crazy. And at the same time, like God, I mean, the, the Buckhead study, there were, you know, spots for that Buckhead study. We had 60 women, who had said, Hey, I want to come to Buckhead at night. And in one day it was full. So I'm just like, you know, like, God, you are wooing your daughters too. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you can't stop that. You know what I mean? Like Karen and I could literally walk away and they're going to get wooed if we're there or not. 
I mean, he is doing something, Jenny, you feel it. You're a part of it. We're all a part of something so much bigger than we even know. It's incredible. I, you know, I can see the breath of God on, um, what do you just, this, the ministry he's given you and, and the team that you have is incredible. So if people want to hear more, learn more about be still, if they want to follow you, um, yeah. and the ministry, find out if it's, if there's one other area, how do they get more information? Yeah. So if they want to be on, um, we send out, you know, your email newsletters and that is at bestillministries.net and then at bestillministries on Instagram and then bestillministries on Facebook as well. So we'll stream on the Facebook live, um, for July 30th. That's the next meeting in Dunwoody. So awesome. even people all over the city, we're coming to the center, you know, so <laughs> I love it. I'll be at that one. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it's so it's going to be a cool story. A woman who actually got healed of cancer is coming from Augusta to share her story, wow. which is phenomenal. And she's actually going to pray for people too who've got cancer. So if you have any friends, like you know, we're lowering people through the roof with the mat. I mean, like this people aren't coming to be still to be comfortable. That's what I always say. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a little crowded in homes. And at the same time, I just don't think anybody cares. I really don't. I just think it reminds them of what was happening when Jesus was on earth and he only did it for three years. And so every year that God gives us to do this and just, you know, bring his ministry to life in a home. I don't know. I just feel like we're just going after it. You know, what do we have to lose? Nothing. Right. <laughs> and, and that's so good. I love it. I love it. God is able to do exceedingly more than we ask or imagine. And you're seeing it because you have faith for it, because you are captivated with wonder by the work of his hands. Even when you have experienced unimaginable loss, Rachel, you are continually captivated by the wonder of your king. And that has opened you up and allowed you to continue to receive day after day, year after year, and then start helping other women receive from him what, what Jesus accomplished on the cross. I mean, that's, you are living the dream even in the wake of the reality of loss that you've endured. And I just think what hope you exemplify for all of us, because I haven't experienced the loss. I've experienced some loss, but I haven't experienced that. And, and, and if you can walk in this overwhelming joy, this abundant passion, this, this overflowing faith that believing that God is really good, that God is really powerful, that God is really able, that there really is more to this life, if you can walk in that, I can too. And so can our listeners. And that's, that's the hope that we get to just chew on after listening to your story. So Rachel, thank you for being you, for sharing your story, for spending this time with us today. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And you know, Jenny, one thing, just as we close, I would just say, you know, knowing that Christ is in me and that really is the hope of glory for everybody. Yeah. When you when you know that he is your hands and he is your feet and he is in every fiber of your being, like, you know, it, it, receiving more of how much he's in you. Cause he is, he is, you know, and you bring that to every atmosphere. It's like, that's, that is the core of receiving, you know, is receiving that. 
That's so good. Would you just close us in prayer, Rachel? Whether there's men or women that have been listening today and they're dealing with loss. Um, And I think loss can be, I think it's in relationships. It's in people's lives. It can be a lot of different um, areas. It can be a loss of trust. It can be a loss of of hope. It can be a loss of opportunity um, in professional settings. Um, But I think people, I think people will resonate with your story. And um, I feel like there's, there's people who are listening today and, and, um, in the days and weeks to come who just need this infusion of faith and hope and the goodness of God and, and just a restoration of the wonder, um, that you have experienced. So if you would just pray into that and close us out in prayer, I would so appreciate it. Yeah. So Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to, um, live an abundant life and to experience more, of what the message calls the adventurously expectant life. And um, God, that um, every one of us, myself included, that even as I lay my head down tonight, that I would reflect on a day that is just full of things that you have granted for us to experience, even in little things like Um, the beauty of nature or the smile of a child or um, just the ability to um, know that we're in Christ, even to listen to this podcast today. So Lord, I just pray for anyone who is struggling with loss, whether it is the loss of a child, the loss of health. Um, I do think you might have a lot of listeners who are you know, kind of waking up to things that maybe have been stolen from their body. And so, Lord, I just pray right now specifically for those of people that are dealing with physical loss of, you know, even hair or um, having to, you know, not be, not have ever taken medicine and then to have to start like a, a new journey, like that feels like loss to people. I mean, even the simple things where, you know, their thyroid quits or whatever it is, God, even for those specific needs, God, I just pray that you would um, come in with the comfort that only the Holy Spirit can give and the only, um, the only one who brings anything worth having is you. And so God, we just rest in the fact that the very thing that we can't see, the very thing that we can't quantify, the very thing that we can't even put a price on is the thing that we all need more than anything else. And that is your love. And that is your comfort expressed through your love, what you did on the cross, but even us experiencing, even it in this moment, God, just that love would be the balm. I just see like a, um, like a, a pool, um, with, you know, almost like a a layer over it. So it's like the water is just flowing over, um, any situation with just the, and water is such a picture of who you are, Holy Spirit. So we just like flow into every situation with just hope and joy and peace and comfort and all, um, all of those situations, God would just be restored, not in the way maybe that we thought they would. That hasn't been my experience in restoration. It's looked totally different than I ever thought it would, but yet it's been better. And God, that we would look for the good, that every person listening can look for the good in their life and their experience. And in their, even in their pain, God, that we would be grateful for 
the um, the fruit of um, the glory of what you've done, even through the pain. And if we're in it, God, that we would look to the future with hope and we would look to your face with your goodness and that we would focus on that and that we would trust in you and lean not on our own understanding because that is when in the weeds in the figure it out room so lord let us escape like any escape room that we've ever been to let us escape the figure it out room into the room of your perfect unending love that casts out all fear so lord just bless every listener listening in jesus name amen Amen. Thank you so much, Rachel. And thank you for listening today. And I hope that you're encouraged and just receive a fresh, just overflow of the Lord's love for you today. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. I'd love to close with this prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Have a great day.